Hello and welcome to the coolest kids. I am one of your hosts, Terrence Wiggins, joined by your other host. His dog Samson. Don Samson. That's me. The dog named Samson. I'm Samson. Dog Samson. He's sleeping on the floor right now. Oh, that's that's so nice of him. What a good boy. <laughs> I think he's upset because I won't let him outside. That's okay. Viv's gone today, and uh, I don't think Viv leaves the house much, so Cat uh, is just like, where is she? And she just keeps walking around the house and either making sounds or vomiting. So I was like, am I, am I not good enough for you? I'm like, I'm so not good enough for you that you're physically ill. That lap is not the lap that I want. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. What is this? The best part is, is she keeps vomiting and then being like, okay, come feed me. I was like, no, I'm just reloading the gun. I know how this ends. <laughs> I'm too stressed. <laughs> eh, our, 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 our animals and, and the two of us, I think, are, are just always that way. We probably taught our animals stress, so that's okay. <laughs> Amazing. These animals didn't understand stress beforehand. <laughs> I just read uh, uh, the horror. I, I've sent you a video about him before. Junji Ito. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he has a comic, a like a diary comic, about when him and his wife first got cats. Okay. And it's drawn in his traditional style of, like, everything looks kind of creepy, but it's really funny. So it's an Ito funny cat diary yeah basically it's really good do i, do I want this do i not yes. i want this i want this yeah you do it's junji ito's cat diary i think i think that's what it's called i got it on it was on sale on comiXology <laughs> uh, so i picked it up and it's very funny fun um like his his uh his wife uh picks up a cat from their parent from her parents and then they adopted a kitten, so the other cat wouldn't get lonely. And he has never been a cat person before. And also, he thinks that uh, the cat that he's getting from her parents is, uh, has a cursed face. <laughs> it's very, it's very funny. It's very what? funny and cute. And and like he, the, since it's in his uh, like uh, regular horror comic style, like everything kind of has this weird like a Junji Ito uh, horror tinge to it, and it's it's real good. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about music. I like music. We're going to talk about Rilo Kiley's uh, Execution of All Things. I had to look up the name because, and I, and I didn't want to say Kylo Ren. <laughs> oh, God. Because <laughs> right, I almost did. We're listening to Kylo Ren's The Execution to, to be fair, Kylo Ren would have an album with execution in the name, right? And, but and some of the daddy like issues on this new one. Metal album. <laughs> uh, so I've never heard this album before. I've never really heard Rilo Kylie before. I was surprised by that one. Usually, you've got one of the two of us. If, if we don't know, there's usually at least well, I've heard the name or I've seen it on things. This one just completely evaded you. Yeah, I um. I've heard, I definitely heard the name before. Also, like, I've known white people, so they were like, Jerry Lewis is in it! Huh, there and, we are. Uh, there it was. I knew it was, I knew it was coming. That's, like, that's what the whole, that's the only thing I do about Ryle Kiley. And I was just like, did you know, did you know Jenny Lewis is in it? And I was just like, man, I don't. See, she was in The Whiz uh, as a kid. Was she? Uh, the uh, The Wizard. 
Oh, the video right. game yes. movie. Yes, 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 yes. That's and, what she was from. And the, I couldn't remember which movie it was. And the dude in this she's band in a is bunch in, of other uh, stuff. in Salute Your Shorts. She, she was in Salute Your Shorts? Uh, the dude in this band. Oh, I didn't. Which... Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, the uh, the co-singer. So yeah, it's a it's child actor rock band with, with solid country influences and a twinge of electronica. Oh, he was, uh, he was, uh, shit. Well, this is his name is <laughs> Luger Shorts. Penske, yes, because he came in in, like, the second, the second season. I yes. remember that. I, I watched, I watched a hell of a lot of Luger Shorts, so. <laughs> what did you uh, think of this album? I, I liked it, but also this is an Anemo album. <laughs> you sure? Yes, it's an indie pop album. Like you wouldn't hear this, you wouldn't hear this band alongside like, like this was this was more. I would see them playing with like, uh, uh, like, fuck, why can't Margot and the Nuclear So and Sos or say hi to your mom or th- stuff like that. Like I don't, I don't see them. If I when I'm thinking emo, this is not what I expected this to sound like. But if Transatlanticism like makes our cut, and the Postal Service uh, most certainly does. <laughs> uh, Transatlanticism, yes, kind of, but this doesn't sound like Transatlanticism. It sounds like Death Cab, like later Death Cab. Yes, like it sounds like. But I wouldn't even describe later Death Cab as emo. Like they're, I don't know, they became like this, uh, an indie. It's an indie pop band. Like it's like I have no problem with it. But I don't find this to be what I think of when I think of emo. I, I wondered about that, and then I was like, this album for me, structurally and, and, and everything else, is, is so close to Ugly Organ. Uh, and we've done enough bands here, including, like, uh, we'd just done, uh, who's, who did the, their, uh, the album was Animals. We just did uh, it. This Town Needs Guns. Yeah, it, This Town Needs Guns like, uses a lot of, like, clean guitar stuff. And then there's a, I I felt like this was close enough on enough points to make the cut. <laughs> there there were some points, but I feel like overall it reminded me too much of like uh, the submarines and like somewhere between the submarines and Margo and the nuclear so and so's. You're right. It need it, it needs like ten percent more edge to get into what we're doing. Right. It needs like one extra the- electric guitar per song. <laughs> Yeah, there's too much. There's too much like soft keyboard for me to be like I like, and I, I can imagine the people at this show, and it's not the same people that I'm gonna see at like a Get Up Kids show. I I feel like they're the exact same fucking audience. I, I this is this is sending me. This is I I don't know how I'm not lining up with you on this one. <laughs> I would say later, like this this sounds like later Get Up Kids, but like night in 1998. Everyone's wearing black uh, black pants and black hoodies. Okay. Emo. Like this. This feels like, uh, like older, older person's emo, not emo that I'm thinking of. Okay. Okay, I'll take like, that. You get what I'm saying? Like it's not like this is like 25 year old emo, not 20 year old emo. There's a lot of bells in it. Yes. I can. I can. Okay. I can go with you on that. That's what that's what I'm feeling. Okay, that's that's how I I I like the album, but also I didn't. It wasn't something I wanted to listen to once I like got into it. It wasn't something I want to listen to now. I could see myself listening to this and like it feels like a summer album, almost. Like to me at least. Sure. Yeah. 
like it has this kind of driving around in the summer feel. Uh, maybe it's just Jenny Lewis's voice. Like she has a. It also I, I want to say it also reminded me of uh, Owen uh, Mike Kinsella's solo solo band. Yeah, there's uh, a... like lyrically. Yeah, but not music. Well, musically sort of, but like there's a twinkliness to this that I didn't expect. Also, like I didn't know what to expect from this band. Right. Because once again, it's just people yelling. Hey, did you know Jenny Lewis is in that band? She I... was on. She was in a kids movie. I should have warned you. I should have warned you about the the Lewis impact. <laughs> I feel like I feel like what pushes it over the edge is that like, uh, I mean it's it's, I I think that everything uh, on uh, this label absolutely qualifies. Anyone that shares a label with with Bright Eyes uh, and the Faint is probably in in the emo sphere. But the like lyrically, it's such a dark, cynical album that yes. maybe maybe it's more of an emo uh album if you print out the lyrics and look at them instead of listening to the album itself i get what you're saying that's, about the twinkliness yes I that's, think the what, darkness that's what it felt like inside. <laughs> yeah it it definitely felt like like i was saying uh that uh, the lyrics reminded me of um of owen like there but like the music was not was what i was expecting uh, on top of these lyrics right so that's that's my whole thing about this. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm putting down. That's the <laughs> soup that I'm slinging. Okay, soup slinger. So you did you enjoyed the album? I did. I really I did really like this album. I wasn't I wasn't sure what to expect, but I I always knew this was one of those like indie bands of the early 2000s that people really liked. Right. It was like like I would hear like the same people like this would talk about like the Shins or like Death Cab and stuff and like I'm here we've talked about this before but I'm here and there on Death Cab right and I've, uh, I'm here and there on the Shins too so it was just kind of like this the same people who think Garden State is a great movie sort of uh, sort of like that sort of group uh, it's 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 interesting because it's, it's a their music gets used in all the same places like the OC and stuff that either uh, completely straight emo uh, stuff gets used or stuff that's way outside of this. Uh, and like, I know, right. I know that ostensibly, I know that they sound like the shins. I can't, I, I don't hear it because I'm, I'm so close to this album. So they sound also, worlds apart for me. I mean, I've listened to, uh, this doesn't sound like the shins to me. Okay. Like it, it, it doesn't like, I, I mean, it's, it's what I was saying is like the people who would, recommend the shins also would be like hey and here's this other band that's in the same genre but i don't i don't really like i feel like the shins is like i don't know indie rock like when you say indie rock it's just like oh you mean the shins right (laughs) this this album always thought uh like everyone liked their album before this i've never spent time with it people like their album after this i didn't spend time with that i spent a little mm-hmm. time with their album uh, under the blacklight where they got a little electro in like 07 just as it mm-hmm. was coming into vogue and then passing out of vogue like that summer where them and late of the pier could have toured or something uh i always thought that this was a weird like thing for this album to get because it's it is ostensibly the Postal Service album, and it's two years before the Postal Service album. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the chord structuring and song structures are the same. It's her voice. It's a lot of the same electro arrangements of things and bringing 
indie rock closer to to not dance music, but uh, but something appro- approximating like an electronic, emotional sort of uh, thing where the where the electric drums and the real drums sort of blend together nicely. I was like, this this is an album that hit perfectly, and just no one paid it the attention at the time. And then later, it's one of those things that everyone's like, that's the big important one. And I'm like, you still, but you're you're not giving it as much attention as the Postal Service, and I think this does it better. <laughs> yeah. It's also the only album I, I, I know in indie rock uh, that I like all the little interstitial tracks. Mm-hmm. Like there's two or three of them and I, I like them so much. Everyone else's right. can go, go, go <laughs> jump in a lake. This one, I was like, they're, they're always nice and fun. I never, I never skip them. I, I don't yeah. have another album like that. <laughs> right. Um, and going back to talking about like the, the whole Shins thing, I feel like the lyrics in Rilo Kylie have, at least from this album, from what I've heard, it has more of a, I don't want to say edge because I feel like it gives it, uh, something that it's not like edge. Edge makes me think of new metal or like Vance trying to be edgy. No, Um, no, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) It has a, it has a more matureness to it. than I feel like a lot of indie rock does like a lot of indie rock kind of feels fluff. Like it's not all there. (laughs) <laughs> like it just it just kind of feels like incidental uh relationships and like i don't like like there's no commitment to their own lyrics or something i, like I even when, feel like on on saddle creek here what you're saying is something that i i would apply to a lot of the production stuff of like especially a young connor oberst and stuff it's it is a lot of kids that are in a studio before they should be engineering their own stuff or whatever, just being like, and, and here's here's stuff that doesn't really fit, but it's what I want to do today. And, and uh, to hear, you can hear maturity both in lyrics and and in the recording process here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was surprised when she started saying curse words, um, <laughs> and like uh, basically like when I when she started getting into like talking about depression in a in a real way. Uh, that was another thing where it, it caught me by surprise because like, I don't, once again, I didn't know anything about this album and it's just like, Hey, indie rock, you know, indie rock, right? <laughs> this is indie rock. I like and that. That's, like, and I think that was a detriment for me going in. Cause I was just like, I don't know anything about this album. And a lot of people, like, I feel like a lot of, like I said, a lot of the indie rock of the early 2000s was just like, well, the shins are out and garden state you know garden state and that was that was like the state of indie rock and it didn't feel um it it didn't feel like it was it was solid like sure like it was everyone was just like this is indie rock and they just pointed a band that was just like a guy in a cardigan sweater playing (laughs) an acoustic guitar and they're like indie rock (laughs) please please somebody draw me as a guy in an alley with a trench coat opening it up uh, to Terrence and I've got like watches and, and and a bunch of like mix CDs and like hey you heard of indie rock you want to get you want to get some of that indie rock kid <laughs> oh actually yeah, indie I'm rock looking... does sound like crack rock it's actually not a very funny joke it went... <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the the Garden State soundtrack and it's Coldplay and the Shins and Colin Hay and Nick Drake. And it's just like, yeah, I know this guy. Like he wears he st- he wears leather jackets and <laughs> I just heard you say the same band six times. <laughs> I just Westworlded that entire soundtrack. It just sounds the same to me. 
and then Iron and Wine. Iron like that's another one where it's just like Iron and Wine is very clearly like like this slowed folk like it's not like Iron and Wine's not indie rock. It's definitely like this just like this melodramatic uh, folk music. <laughs> and people that was another one where people are just like indie rock. We don't know what indie rock is, but there you go. I feel like in the early 2000s like nobody knew how to describe music genres. Like there was there was only like three genres of or four genres of music. There was like you have rap, <laughs> you have you have rock, then you have indie rock, then you have emo, which is anything that's not that doesn't fit in a rock or in or indie rock. I've actually so I, you get bands like Nickelback and they're just like rock. I thought about I've thought about that taxonomy a lot because it's like uh, that era is like when MySpace became a thing and you could have for your band you could label three genres that your music was. So you could mix up some things, but beyond that, uh, there were MP3 tags, which were a very limited set of genres, and that was also how you searched. So you couldn't like be electro indie pop on and and ever find anything on like a torrent site or something. But you could start to define yourself as that, and uh, suddenly the naming of things became very important. But also, like you said, yeah. there were eight words to go around and it's just like how uh any radio station in the country that's like we play the alternative hits of today and then they kick on a nirvana track followed by acdc and you're like i you're fucking that's not acdc is not alternative my man uh they yeah, had one of the uh, first music videos uh, you've 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 left this behind <laughs> uh I, i've often seen people say like uh, don't give don't give things genres, and I'm just like, th- things have to have genres because like if you're looking for if you're looking for something or, yeah. or, or people say genres don't matter. Like if you're looking for something, you can't really like you can't just type in I want a band that sounds like this because people don't really like you can't just type that into Google because hey. it's not you're gonna find a million bands. Like I said with the whole indie rock thing, like you can't just type in indie rock because it's just gonna be like. Here's a smattering of everything from the past twenty years. Hey man, that... don't put labels on books. Okay, you've got a very you've got the worst fucking library, man. I don't know how you're ever <laughs> gonna find a book again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and people say, well, what does indie rock even mean? Like, isn't it just like a thing? And it's just like, yes, but also like indie rock came from bands that weren't signed for labels, and so that sound. Of not being sound for like a lot of bands had that sort of sound, and so it just became the title of that thing, right? Instead of and uh, it's it's frustrating. It's the same thing with video games. It was just like genres don't mean anything. It's just like no, they do because if you're gonna say, hey, uh, this is a first person shooter, yes, it's a first person shooter, but there's a big difference between like Call of Duty and like Tower of Guns. Like you're not looking for the same game. That said, I or do like, run into stuff on sites a lot where it's like, okay, but indie isn't a genre for how we categorize these things. It's like, but for me, I feel like indie is a genre of game, but I understand right. that it, technically, yeah, that's an insane thing to say. <laughs> right. Like, it, it started, like, indie has taken on its own feel, like, in the past 15 years, like, or 20 years, like, it, it, it has its own sound, it has its own feel, and anyone who knows... Like if you if you name enough bands, like I literally just typed in indie rock into uh into Google and it gave me Arcade Fire, The Shins, Radiohead, Modest Mouse, and Arctic Monkeys, which those are 
a lot of bands that don't really sound like each other. <laughs> like, especially art. Like, if you were just like, I like indie rock, like The Shins and Arctic Monkeys. Like, Arctic Monkeys is like a. Aren't like aren't they like a this is English rock band that like they're loud and I I, I would put them in in the category of indie rock alongside Cigarros. <laughs> you know, I just want to have a fun indie rock dance party. Throw on the Cigarros. <laughs> or they've uh, they got uh, Broken Social Scene, Fleet Fox, and Pixies all next to each other. God, it's just like yeah. Uh, when I hear the Pixies, I also want to hear Fleet Foxes. Also, the Pixies would fight every one of these bands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guess. Oh shit. Guess who's, uh, I'm going to read these three that are next to each other, or these four that are next to each other. The White Stripes, Nirvana, The Decemberist, and Bright Eyes. Boy, you howdy. Know those, you know those, like, I, there, is a, there is a definite uh, need for, for genre-ing to, to sort of be able to tell somebody what to, what to look for. Oh, fucking, somebody put David Bowie on this. Like, what? You know who did that? David Bowie. <laughs> every every choice he made was unexpected. <laughs> oh, Morrissey's up here, too. Oh, John Mayer, you know, indie rock artist John Mayer. You, oh, God, come on. <laughs> like, it, it's just giving me indie rock artists, and I'm getting mad. Oh, man. It's a, Morrissey I, and John Mayer, you know, those two. I always like playing the game of like what would happen if uh, Cobain was still around now, uh, and my favorite is to imagine like a one all the the terrible like weird duet albums he would have done with people where they would have hated yeah. each other. But my favorite yeah. is to imagine him going through his like Tom York phase where it was just him like yelling over like the very first beat he ever made in Beat Studio or something. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you, you know, you would have had to deal with like a decade of that out of out of that guy. He was an artist who, who fought against things and wanted to do whatever he wanted. And yeah, he would have had an electro phase, probably been a DJ for a bit. He would have had an art gal. He would have become Moby. He would have eventually yeah. become Moby. I and it would be like... so sad. <laughs> I feel like he'd be fighting on Twitter with Billy Corgan a lot. Okay, actually, I take back everything. I, I wish that I wish that Cobain could be dead, but that he could be on Twitter, uh, just trolling <laughs> and trolling like five people. Uh, uh, yeah. He he's got Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan's best best friend, Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> uh sending midnight DMs to Chris Novoselic. Oh my God. I'm also, upset that his name is Chris and not Chris. It, every time. Also, I, I I don't know how much Nirvana live footage you've watched. Uh, Nova Selleck was just the one that talked between songs, and he did all of the talking. Like I think he, <laughs> I think he fancied himself as a bit of a stand-up comedian, but like uh-huh. Kurt talking, not so much. Dave never, and it's just Chris, just like like dad jokes and like. Hell yeah! I see you all there in the pit doing doing the pit, and it's it's real weird if you didn't know that about the band to like finally sit down and watch some longer concerts and be like, who is this guy and why won't he shut the fuck up? <laughs> he 
he's yeah, he's also six seven, so I kind of grew up being like, you know what? I might wind up being like him. I'm just a, a, a pretty steady bassist. I like to do some dad jokes between songs, and I've surrounded myself with over the, everyone. The two most talented people like in, in the room, <laughs> towering over everyone. Hey, have you guys heard about soda? I like your impression of me as Chris Novoselic. <laughs> have you just, heard about soda? I'm just I'm just imagining just a giant guy like <laughs> towering over the entire stage. Just I think that's what the wall was about. <laughs> Never seen it. Oh oh, the concert footage of the wall is fucking incredible. Uh, I, I I actually like the album. I think the. That's one of the, uh, I feel like a lot of classic rock, uh, albums, uh, I actually, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't like a lot of classic rock. We, yeah, we've, but, we've dabbled in this a bit about what you appreciate about classic rock. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, there is a whole lot, like, if one more person talks about Leonard Skinner to me, I'm gonna throw them in a trash can. My, my mom went on a bit of a kick about, uh, Leonard Skinner over the week. Uh, because, uh, who wrote the song about how we don't need a Southern man? Neil Young. Yes. Uh, she was talking about how like Neil Young (laughs) was trying to warn us way back when about like the, the rise of the right would come back here and how no thanks. We do not need this. Uh, and she was on like Leonard Skinner, like very publicly, like told him to go fuck himself back when you couldn't say things like that in the press. And she was like, I remember thinking that they were pretty in their right to say that because that was a pretty hurtful thing. And now, uh, you know what? I think that Neil Young had some good ideas. And I was like, wait until I tell you about his streaming service. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is he the one that has that, like, $500 MP3 player that yes. only plays Flack Files? And it just, it just finally shut down. Oh, it was still up and running. It was still up and running until like a month ago. Yeah, him and Jack White were like the the money behind it. it The the completely compressionless audio format. (laughs) Yeah, so you have like a gig file, and you're just like, yeah, this is this is what I want. Uh, Yeah, it was six hundred dollars. Still being sold on Amazon. Does it function? It needs a service. Uh, I, I, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, i don't think that they know and that might have been one of the problems here it says well it plays other other formats better than it says plays high resolution music files and other formats better than any portable device the the experience is uh, especially noticeable while listening for an extended time unlike lower lower resolution content that gets tiring and often unpleasant over time high resolution music becomes more endurable the longer you listen yeah that seems dubious science at best well, hey man you know how when you listen to your your iphone for more than an hour you're just like i hate music all of a sudden where did that come from well here to solve that problem <laughs> do you have a problem with your cd's degrading <laughs> what the f- fuck are you talking about guess how many gigs this thing was how many 64 so it held like an album at a time (laughs) in an uncompressed rate and this was uh this was on kickstarter like what what why who are i'm gonna look on i want to look on ebay to see how much this damn thing costs (laughs) 
on eBay. Like if somebody's just like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't worth it. Let us see. Yep, people are selling it on eBay. The first one that popped up is two hundred dollars, <laughs> which is four hundred dollars less than the thing than uh, it is to buy it new. <laughs> oh, you can get one with Patty Smith signatures for seven hundred fifty dollars. Um, or or an Arcade Fire limited edition for seven hundred fifty-two dollars. <laughs> Somehow those two dollars made all the difference in the world in how funny that joke was. <laughs> Arcade Fire for oh, two dollars more. Red Hot Chili Peppers version. What is that like? Three hundred bucks? Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers version is five hundred and fifty. But, but who's, who is this for? What like I don't know. Uh, what I what I liked about the, to wrap this back around to Rilo Kylie. What I liked about this is it felt uncomplicated in a sincere way. Unlike <laughs> I feel like a lot of indie rock tried to be. Sure. Um, like I mean, good to go back. Like uh, like I mean, bands around this time like Grizzly Bear who had like sort of they were weird it was like we're gonna be the weird indie band and they was just like hey we have a song called two weeks and it's just grizzly bear now um <laughs> like i don't know that, like, was, a pretty, like that first... was a pretty accurate summary of grizzly bear actually <laughs> <laughs> well it was just like nobody nobody's gonna listen to yellow or uh the knife or whatever the fuck that song was called um like the first album which is just like this uh, cacophony of weird noise over it's like it's I, like a that was the album that I heard when they came out and then like for years afterwards when people were like you gotta check out this band I was like the fuck is wrong with you it's just atonal <laughs> like noise and then I was, I was like I was like is this a different band did that first band die and were they replaced yeah. were they sued out of their name by a band that could play an instrument. Uh, right. It, it was like it was like uh, Simon and Garfunkel on Quaaludes, like fell down a well, and then you got Grizzly Bear. And then they were, then they all woke up one day and they were just like, "Hey, what if we made pop music?" Have you ever heard of the band Blonde Redhead? I've heard of them, but I've never listened to them. Uh, they were a New York three piece uh, with, uh, I, b- I believe, an, uh, a female Asian uh, guitarist uh, f- front woman. Uh, the very first like huge stadium show I ever saw was in fifth grade. My dad took me to see U2 uh, on their pop tour, which was uh, a tour that cost them so much money they lost money on the tour. And it's from an album of like electronic music that's my favorite U2 album. And they disown the album even on their greatest hits. They like did acoustic versions of the songs so that the songs from that album couldn't be there. I love that they hate it. That's why it's my favorite <laughs> fucking YouTube album. All the also the, like the last song on the album is called "Wake Up Dead Man" and it's a direct letter to Jesus oh, written by Bono. You told me about this. It, yeah. yeah, it's got so uh, when I saw them in this giant stadium in in a in an actual football stadium uh, ahead of the biggest uh, video production stage show. Like look up a YouTube clip sometime. It's just insane. Uh, they like Laura Croft uh, appeared behind them on stage as a laser. Like I, it's, it's insane. They sent out this fucking band blonde redhead, uh, with no lights on them and barely any sound to be their opening act. And at the time, uh, they sort of did like an atonal thing too, where she strummed like an open tune guitar. So you didn't even know how to really play the guitar and you could do this. Uh, and just a drunk football stadium full of U2 fans, 
just booed them to death. And I re- it was my first big concert. And I, was, I kept asking my dad, like, what is happening here? Why is everyone so angry? And why will they not turn on a light for these poor people on the stage? And it was like, oh, this is what bands do when they get big. They like send out like a band that they're ostensibly like, oh, we're really into their music and their art right now. But it's really so that they can just set the bar so fucking low. Uh, and I was always just like, <laughs> that's like the meanest thing I've ever seen in rock and roll. And like years later, like they did a couple of albums that like Pitchfork called them like albums of the year. And I was like, wait, that band that I saw like thrown to the wolves in front of you two that like I couldn't hear a word be said and I checked him out I was like oh this is really cool it's so nice to see it's the same thing as the grizzly bear thing it was like when I saw you last time I think it was just effects pedals and somebody that could kind of play the drums uh and now you're you're like these proficient excellent songwriters doing cool songs and I was like oh it's it's fun to go it's also weird that somebody can start their career at this point as like not like you don't have to get good at music first sometimes you become famous when you're just making sounds and then you're like oh shit we got to learn music now <laughs> uh i have a question who is you two for like who's the who's the audience for you two i think now i think it changes so much uh, it's sort of like how my dad would always explain to me the difference between the Beatles and the Stones. He's like, the Beatles ended and they stopped. And then the Stones, like, lived through all these decades and then they changed with the decades. So, like, he's like, there's son, there's Stones albums that I've never played for you that are just disco. And I was like, Dad, I, I don't believe that. He's like, it's true, just entire disco albums because they blend in with the times. And, uh, and Aerosmith is like that, too. And you 2 somehow manages to do it without really ever changing their sound but they do yeah. always change with the times too but like they were a protest band uh and then they became like the height of 80s early 90s like tim burton production quality stuff uh but it was still like involved in something and i think at the point that like bono around the time that you know, like South Park starts making fun of him is also around the time that Bono just took on every fucking cause in the world. And when they could be a band that was about like three or four things, it made sense that they could still write albums that were about like independence from Britain or about like these tragedies or like calling attention to specific things. I do remember like around like maybe the evolution album and tour like each song was about like a different tragedy around the world and each song single like the money went to a different charity and i was like this just seems like a lot of work this is just so much homework to figure (laughs) out what i'm supposed to care about and whose side i'm on and why and also you read a piece about like how like bono's actually wrong about this one and like i i'm actually thankful that it's not now because the think peace culture around like here's how bono's wrong about all 13 causes on this new album i'm exhausted thinking about it (laughs) like if if bono was as popular now as he was i mean even like in the early 2000s he would be destroyed on Twitter like every day. Well, he was able to do that because there was no medium by which to dissect him and all of the inconsistencies. Instead, he's just a guy that right. wears sunglasses and and wants to do good in the world. And to to that end, I do not have bad words to say about him. I I think he's convoluted at worst. <laughs> and then right. and then at some I point, like- you're like, oh, I forgot the the music kind of matters here. Like we are. 
we're we've become a foundation first and then like a band second and like every 10 years they still crank out an album that like manages to swap those and that seems pretty cool and interesting <laughs> i i feel like him being convoluted is is probably the worst thing he can do with his sort of activism because if you're it's kind of like this like centrist position of just being like eh i throw money at things and it's like well okay well can you can you like give us any sort of solid anything just give me something to hold on to bono like tell me the thing that you are <laughs> in and he's just like i like world peace and you're like okay thanks give me something to hold on to sounds like three of their their albums you ju- you just coined, you just made a U2 song right here bono give me something to hold on to parentheses hold on to in parentheses uh crush me kill me give me something to hold on to throw me uh that was the song they did for a batman movie and and they lived uh, and that was written from his mystique uh, persona. He had a persona that was like a shut devil up. figure. Uh, they toured. Shut up. They did an out. Okay, I'll stop. Sh- shut up. No, no, he didn't. You know what? We, we, we'll we'll save it. We'll save. No, it you're gonna tell me right now. No, no, no. I need to. So, what did he do? What is this? Uh, around the zoo tour, uh, Zootopia, uh, Zoo Station uh, era, uh, late '80s, early '90s. It was like they found industrial rock, uh, and he toured as this uh, half-demon huckster character uh, who was always, like, interrupting the show to, like, beam in CNN footage of George Bush talking. Shut up. I I, I offered to stop. You're the one. Uh, Bono, all right, I, I found a picture. Uh, it says, during performances of Zoo Station on the Zoo TV tour, Bono would arrive on stage as his stage persona, The Fly. I forgot it was called The Fly. That's actually what way is, worse. Th- I was like, what is, I was like, is this where, is this where uh, Jarrett Leto gets it from? Probably. I mean, he, he grew up just like us, putting his pants on one Bono at a time. Uh, <laughs> what, is this, what is this soy bomb nonsense? Oh, you've never seen Soy Bomb before? No, I know. It's a guy oh. ran on stage. Oh, oh you're saying, what is this Soy Bomb nonsense? Yeah. I, I mean, it, but I also, like, 1990, 1992, like, a few years after MTV, just to tour the country as a full satire of MTV, like, all of their ideas in, in various iterations are really cool and good and interesting, and about two years after they happen, you're like, well, that was nothing. Uh, so it's real easy to shit on a lot of U2 stuff because it's uh, it's sort of of the moment or too much of the moment. And as soon as that moment passes, uh, you're not stuck in a moment you can't get out of. You're, you're really watching like, oh, that aged so fast. Uh, and I don't right. know why. I, I think it is because like things bounce around. Uh, they did uh, they have a documentary film called Rattle and Hum, uh, which mm-hmm. is about like the early like album three tours and stuff back when they were like the angry fucking punks that were like, we're going to get uh, liberation for the country. And like, maybe we're, maybe we sit side with the IRA and stuff like this. And it was like, you, they were dangerous and scary. Uh, and it's their first tour of like America. Uh, and there's parts of it that are still just like so fucking cool. And there are parts of it 
like when they go visit like old blues musicians or like the Elvis Presley stuff, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it borderline, it's so, it borderlines on racist in how much that they're like, wow, thank you for giving us the blues, you know, and, you're, <laughs> and, and like, they just like, won't stop. It's like when, uh, it's like when Quentin Tarantino's around black people. Exactly. And he just starts basically talking and jiving. You're just like, can you, can you, no, can you not? They're like, I said, you're welcome. I, I don't know why you're still here. <laughs> And they're just like, I just want to look at your black beauty. And you're like, well, oh, my like, God. Fucking what? Yeah. Like, I don't like there. That's that's why that's why I was asking, like, who is YouTube for? Because, like you said, all of their stuff feels like it's in the moment mm-hmm. of when it came out and immediately is just like no more like that thing happened and then it's not going to happen again. And it kind of makes me think of Coldplay in a way. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh. I'll hear I hear an old Coldplay song in the in the uh, in the store or whatever. Uh-huh. I'm just like, hey, like I didn't really like this when it first came out, but listening to it now, I'm just like, this is pretty good. Every and fucking then I hear time. like a new Coldplay song, and I'm just like, I want everyone to go away from me forever because I hate this and everyone around me. O- o- old Coldplay from the first two or th- even the third album, like some of those songs, I'll hear them and I'm like, this is just such a purely good song, and I feel lucky right. to be hearing it. Uh, I don't want to listen to any more. Or uh, like, uh, yeah, it. There, there is a lot of that. Like the U two thing. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time to ask it because they just toured, like the thirtieth anniversary of the Joshua Tree album, and I was like, I don't know how you, as like sixty year old men, go back to do the album you did at eighteen and try to do it in its entirety. Like they sold out stadiums doing it, and Viv was like, "Do you want to go?" And I was like, "We both love that album so much, but like I." I, I, I can't see like an old man like crushed by the failure of his teenage dreams trying to relive them now on a stadium stage but like every night having to sing that knowing that you accomplished nothing like I was like right. the, the concept of it is so crushing to me so it, who right. is it for everyone that I know that went to see it in LA was like is like a writer on a TV show who has kids now and they wanted to take their wife because their wife never saw U2 back in the day. Like that's, that's about it. Like there's no new, there's no new U2 fans coming in. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I'm asking. Just like, who who are these people that are just like, yeah, I like everything that U2's done. (laughs) Like, like the same thing with Coldplay where it's just like, is there any, is there anyone who listens to Coldplay that's not just like, hey, it's that band from all commercials? I, I've been meaning to ask you this question since I first brought up the the U2 song about saying fuck you to Jesus. You are still uh, religious in, in some facets. In a, in a fashion. In a fashion. Yes. Do you ever, and this, would, this plagued me until like, uh, actually around the time that the girlfriend that got me into this Rilo Kylie album started uh. getting me to listen to some of this music about like sophomore year in college was about the first time that I could sing certain songs that uh, said bad things about Jesus without feeling like I was going to go to hell for singing them. Uh, Like uh, cakes, Satan is my motor. I skipped it every fucking time I had that CD in high school because I was just Uh like, I can't listen to that. And this was even after I was like edged out of Christianity, but I was still like, you know, the one thing you can't do is probably sing a song that says that Satan is cool. Uh, and I, I, have you ever had that or do you still ever have that? I, I get twinges of it every once in a while. I was like, where is that voice uh, yeah, coming from? I, uh, yeah, I know what you, I know. I definitely know what you mean. Um, but also like, I feel like 
that cake song like so like people people are just like satan's cool like i'm just like that's such baby edgelord bullshit that i'm just like uh. like it doesn't interest me uh-huh uh, yeah, it, it, like, it, I, like I have nothing that was ever like, like, uh, like, uh, like you know, like that's a that's a funny sort of song. Any of those right. songs that were actual like death metal songs are like shove those nails into your Christ shitty fuck bones or something. Yeah, like like, I, I was, like, like uh, well, that's uh, not uh, interesting. So I never had that. <laughs> right, like uh, uh, what's that? What's that one song by Alice in Chains uh, where he's like Jesus Christ and I your Maker, and it's just like. Yeah. Shut up, Allison Chains. <laughs> Shut up, like, Allison it, it just, Chains. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, Shut up, sinker Allison Chains. Um the weird name for a man. Uh, <laughs> this question's lingered yeah. for me for a while because I, I my, my religion is gone, but I can still feel it sometimes in in a pop up in the weird places and it 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 feels like the rock and roll version of like accidentally like doing an n-word while singing a rap song and like that doesn't for, have the n-word in it no yeah uh yeah this is doing the something anti-christ and you're just like i think he can hear it <laughs> like some part of your heart knows that you've done wrong <laughs> uh yeah i definitely know what you mean but they're like like again i said like it depends on the song and like it's the, i know there's something about Oh, like, uh, did we do Manchester Orchestra on the show? Not yet. I don't, okay, well, there's a, there's a song uh, in one of theirs, and it's just like kind of this questioning song and stuff like that, and it's just like, it's like, yeah, I was like, it's like, they, like, it's human to, like, question your own faith and do all this other stuff, right. and if you don't, like, it's it becomes, like, disingenuous and not not a thing. Like, it's, it's I don't know, I, I feel like it has to happen, and if you don't, you're you're uh, starting a cult somewhere the trying to trying to convince people to uh <laughs> to join your cult and just like there's nothing bad here while you're standing around guns far cry <laughs> 5 everybody far Who cry 5 that? everybody check out them bliss bullets yeah the uh, the girlfriend that introduced me to this also introduced me to like stuff like peaches uh so mm-hmm. it was and and some stuff that was like very just like German dance stuff with just like a lot of like anti-Christian like sentiment that wasn't like questioning and isn't like uh, let's rally against organized religion. It was just like shouting bad words at Jesus. Uh, yeah. And that, I, I like, think that's what that's I would have thinking about it. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I never that even like that even like it's in a sort of religious way like not listening to but more like that just feels like edgelord bullshit to me where it's right. just like oh you are a suburban white kid who's now mad because you're you're not 15 anymore and you're just like yeah take that mom like, and, and and mine was like i i don't want to sing this cake song and i i would keep that a dirty secret while the kids around me in grade school were listening to uh sublime albums where every song is about how cool it is to rape uh, so I was just like I, I was in a different separate bubble of like song guilt than everyone around me. <laughs> uh, I was I was friends with somebody who still liked Sublime into her twenties, and I was just like, I can't do this. I, I have friends now, and they still stand by it. And every time I'm just like, I'll just never it's get not. it. I'll just never understand, and I'm okay because it's because <laughs> it's, it's not it's not good, and your friends are wrong. Uh, there's nothing good about Sublime. 
and uh, they should just accept that and stop being so white. The the Santeria song is a fun, catchy song, and and everything yes. else that they ever had to say is is actually toxic, like violently right. toxic. In yeah. a way that, like, it got into my friends' brains when they were kids, and it's why I think a lot of them are divorced. I, <laughs> I, it's, I, it's like Santa, like everything else is like this Al Bundy, uh, like sitcom husband, uh, toxic masculinity, yeah, sort of nonsense where it's just like. Man, bitch is right, and you're just like no. no. And the, and and all those same kids for me in grade school also had like ICP, but at least ICP, uh, I I know you have your thoughts on them. At least mm-hmm. what they're presenting is uh, this cartoonish rap thing, whereas uh, Sublime is always rooted in like police scanners happening at the start and the end of the song. Like it's rooted in the fact like this is absolutely real and this is how I behave. There's no hyperbole in any element of it. And anyone that tries to I'm be not. like, oh, this is actually a satire, like, no. Or like, like I was like, no, that that dude died from drugs. Yeah. <laughs> God. Like he didn't, this isn't satire. He like, he was a scumbag and he died from drugs. Shut up, Alice like, in Chains. God. <laughs> Shut up, Alice in Chains. That's a, that's a new name of this podcast. Shut up, Allison Chains. And they'll be like, who's Allison Chains? She's just like Figure this girl out. we went to high school with and still don't like. <laughs> we did not grow up either. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, so, anyway. Right, look was a good it. album. was a good one. Should... Yeah. I, did, you, did you enjoy it? I, I'm okay with us I not did. I did actually can. enjoy this. I did actually enjoy this album. Uh, and I will, get, I will listen to it again because, once again, it did remind me of other bands I've listened to. Like, uh, her voice... Uh, this came later, um, like bands that came later, like uh, the Submarines and uh, right. and uh, more the more poppy end of indie pop than than Rilo Kylie was. Uh, but they're like lyrically, I think this album is very strong, and it, it's not it's not sugar coated, yeah, uh, in a way that I feel like like I said earlier, like a lot of indie rock is, and it's worth a listen. All right, Terrence, where can people find you online? At the Black Nerd. You can find me at Brock Wilbur. Close the sound, Terrence. And we are the coolest kids, and we take what we can get. Bye.